Welcome to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast, the show for business owners looking to acquire, scale, or exit a business. Before we get on with today's program, we just wanted to let you know that the Buy, Grow, Sell team have been working really hard to come up with more resources that add more value to your journey. This includes a range of webinars, tools, and other events, including an online summit where we get some of the industry's leading experts to come and share their insights. If you'd like to know more, go to buygrowsell.com forward slash events. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast. My next guest is the wonderful Sophie Howard, who I had the pleasure of meeting about five years ago. Sophie back then had an Amazon-based business selling products online. I remember having a drink down in Melbourne and meeting her and her partner and chatting about uh, you know, how to sell businesses and do all sorts of interesting things like that. Now, it's such a pleasure to have Sophie on the show. She not only sold her first Amazon-based business for a cool million dollars US, she's now gone on and bought a whole number of businesses. I think last count is about 20 different transactions. You know, it's really interesting hearing about e-com businesses and, and of course, moving more and more to online and what do these models look like and ultimately driving passive income and great lifestyles for many of the business owners. Sophie's going to deep dive that for us in this episode. She's going to take us through what she looks for in a business, where she finds these sort of businesses, how she integrates them, and ultimately how she can help you do the same. I know you're going to enjoy this episode because it's just so relevant for today's business owners. Thanks for joining us again. This is Sophie Howard. Sophie, welcome to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast. Hello, Simon. Thank you for having me here. Great to see you again. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, for those listening, I've had the privilege of meeting Sophie before. I think it was probably about five years ago or something. We were down in Melbourne and I remember having a, we were in a group of people having a drink and a good chat about business. It was a lot of fun. And so I've had the uh, great pleasure of watching you grow and do lots of different things over the years too. So very excited to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. Nice to catch up. And you've um, done all sorts of interesting stuff in the meantime as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to reconnect. Um, Sophie, for those who haven't met you or perhaps heard about you before, but maybe you could kick off and just give a little bit of your background. Um, I know, you know, you've specialised over the last number of years in online businesses and Amazon certainly has played a, a, a big part in that history. But I guess give us a bit of your background and what kind of led you to getting into business. Okay, well, uh, this will be my 10th year of pure online business, which is um, pretty fun because back in 2013, with good old Amazon FBA, I got off to a pretty flying start. So I had a lot of luck, possibly, maybe beginner's luck, um, but certainly chose some pretty cool Amazon products that turned into really great brands and um, was a um, fan of, you know, creating value and then exiting well. I decided to sell that first brand when it was about 18 months old. So I got a cool million for that. Thank you very much. Nice investor in the States. No capital gains tax in New Zealand, winning. Um, nice. And then first <laughs> back into, well, paid off a mortgage, which was fun, relocated to the South Island of New Zealand, even nicer. Um, and then built another brand, sold that one, that was a tea business. And then I did lots of other products, did some coaching of Amazon, and then did eBooks on Amazon and coaching that as well. 
Um, and then in the last two or three years, I've been trying a whole new thing, which is what we're hopefully going to talk about mostly today. And as um, you know, with your background, this buying and selling business game, I think that's such a wildly fun and lucrative and quick and just so many positives about it. So I've been buying businesses. So all online ones, apart from one random dog business in Christchurch, um, but 20 something deals done now, um, some little WordPress sites, some great big um, things with huge databases attached, a few software ones. Um, yep. But it's been really, really cool, just fine tuning a process to pick really good online assets that just earn instant income the day you own them. So yeah, very nice, very nice. Talk to me a little bit about this, the online business space, because having been in the game of buying and selling businesses for the last number of years, I mean, it's been an interesting period with COVID. Um, it certainly changed the market for a lot of people and a lot of businesses. But of course, what we did see was online businesses started to really boom as well. Um, you know, what you got in early, right? And I guess I'm, I'm curious, even when you say to me that you sold a business after it was only 18 months old, I mean, traditional style businesses would struggle to sell a business that's only 18 months old, but clearly the online world is different. And yeah, I guess I'm just curious in what that journey was like, what got you into online businesses uh, in the first place? Uh, well, I was actually on maternity leave and didn't want to go back to the day job. So that's my daughter who's just about 10 now. So um in Wellington, nice job for government, you know, had a pretty easy, easy time. And um, two children made a big difference to the economics of going back to work versus lots of childcare and a baby and a toddler was running pretty ragged. So kind of did everything not to be a lifestyle, but a serious income replacement kind of project. So I mucked around looking for ages at webinars and all the things out there, Tupperware parties, the lot. Yep. Um, but you know, living in a small town in New Zealand and being very ambitious, it looked like you had to go with a big platform and I hate social media. So it was sort of by process of elimination really and what looked real and tangible. And I liked the idea of physical products on Amazon at first. So that got me used to the Amazon game. And then from there, even better than Amazon products on FBA were Amazon eBooks where the profit margins are basically double and there's no shipping and inventory drama. So well, there's pros and cons on both. Um, but I was definitely very early selling my first Amazon brand. I did my first tax returns and a lovely, another Australian, um, Jock Pirtle, who's a business broker in the States now. Um, I did my tax for the sort of the first full 12 months cycle of business. And I was like, oh, Jock, what do you think this business would be worth? He's like, I'll get you a million for it tomorrow. Give it to me. <laughs> I want to list it. I was like, well, nothing venture, nothing gained. And the exchange rate was cracking and, you know, it was just, worth a push and uh, I went over and met the buyer in um, Salt Lake City and uh, as I was boarding back on the plane on the way home the money cleared in the bank and I did one bank transfer and cleared my mortgage so oh this is fun I could do that again let's build another brand and sell it so yeah, nice. work with that is really kind of front-end loaded you know you do all the gr grind yourself to build it up get the profit optimize it and then a Big hump at the end to get it really looking nice for the sale, tidying up its ends, documenting things. Um, so that was cool. But then the income level just drops off to zero. And I was a bit, you know, finding new products to launch. And I kind of kept going and it was nice to be cashed up. So we went to Bali, lived there for three months before my son started school and then did more brands and more stuff on Amazon. But I've definitely not 
bought Amazon product businesses and I did a little bit of buying Kindle at the start just to learn the ropes. And I bought one fiction business because I had no idea how to do fiction. I worked out nonfiction books pretty easily, but I could see the fiction people made a lot of money. So I bought one of those and I've bought quite a few businesses in the publishing world because that's really where I can see there's lots of quite quick evolution. The old school, big old publishing houses are kind of going, going, gone. And the new model where you don't need an editing process and people to you know take you on and publish and do a massive print run and get approval from anyone you can just self-publish on Amazon so I bought some businesses in that publishing space so one thing I bought was a big newsletter of lots of keen readers which was cool um, and that's turned out to be a really good investment that was probably the biggest deal I've done and some of them being completely unrelated some were like guitar sites and all sorts of yeah, yeah. I'd like to come back and Come back to that newsletter in a minute if I can, because you've got me really interested on that. But just before I sort of move on from the Amazon space, because I, obviously I, I think you were early to the game, obviously with Amazon and understanding Amazon, even as a consumer, clearly. Um, you know, these days Amazon's bigger than Ben-Hur and, and a lot of people are familiar with it. And I think there are, there's, as with anything, when a, well, I guess when an area of a market becomes more mature, a lot more people are talking about it. I'm just curious though, like, Every man and his dog is, understands the internet and why the internet is a good model. But how would an Amazon business differ from just somebody who has their own website and is selling stuff online? Um, how do they differ both just from an operational perspective, but also as you went into the deal to sell that? I mean, were there differences that from, from other styles of businesses? Oh, well, there's some really big pros and a couple of really big cons. It is quite a different thing to say having your own Shopify site that you run your own ads to and having your own database. So the big um, plus, as Amazon's customers have really high buyer intent, and it's really a search engine game. So a customer on Amazon searches for a product and buys straight away. They're not mucking around being sociable. You know, they're just there to shop. So that's great. You've got the right product in front of the eyeballs of the people. You've got data on the keyword searches. So that's the big appeal, really, is that you don't need to find your own customers. All the marketing's done. You just have to stay in stock of products that people want and stay on page one. So that side's appealing. It's easy to learn because it's quite mechanical once the product's ranked. So selling that cash flow and big steady platform, no funny, tricky algorithm things, you know, it's pretty stable. You're not going to get walloped with a Google algorithm or, um, you know, some Facebook group closes on you and you're screwed. So that's really appealing. It's stable. The rules are tough, but the rules are really clear. And anytime Amazon changes the rules, it's usually making it a cleaner, better platform and getting rid of some bad actors. So that's that side. The downside is you don't own the customers. And so you don't have your own email list. You don't get to remarket anything else to your existing customers. Um, but it's pretty easy to drive an existing one. But um, I haven't actually bought any Amazon businesses. Since I've been doing Amazon products, there's been this whole industry, Thrasio raised, I think, over a billion dollars to do these big roll-ups. And so anything decent is pretty well picked over. They're pretty aggressive. They've got pretty mean pay-up schedules, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah. I've, I've heard mixed things. Like, I'm quite happy to be focused more on ebooks at the moment. I mean, products are still going. I've still got a few, but um, I think the ebook world is a little bit easier. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you say that about the, the bigger players out there, though, because it's – I think any time a market becomes more mature, it becomes slightly more commoditized, right? And so there's, there's less margins. There's Everything gets squeezed around the fringes, and it's – it becomes a lot more sort of cutthroat. But um, 
I'm just curious too, like how typically would an Amazon business like the one you sold be valued? I mean, is it, you know, we see multiples of EBITDA and revenue and all these sort of different models, but is there is there a formula? Yeah, sort of uh, about the same as any other e-commerce, so about three annual, you know, some some of the brokers do it in 36 months and some do it three years, but around three three sellers discretionary earnings sort of EBITDA. Okay, sellers discretionary. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, interesting. Not too many other expenses in there, like, I can't write off anything in my personal life. There's no cars driving around. There's no, I mean, I've got one, yeah. it's my old bedroom, which is now an office. So, you know, it's a bit of um, reclaiming space, but that's it. So it's pretty much, um, you know, a very simple business. Um, got no, that's cool. So, okay, so about three times, three times discretionary earnings. That's interesting. How did you go from, you sold the business, you got some money in the bank. That's always a nice feeling, unless it takes a bit of pressure off. How did you find the shift from being a seller to a to a buyer? You know, was it just a reverse of the process? Was it different? How did you, yeah, like that's a completely sort of different angle. <laughs> Your podcast has got three things in and I love them all equally. I love buying for the instant cash flow. I love growing. I love being creative. I love that entrepreneurial, you know, ooh, this is, you know, could be optimized here or add this platform or this product here or cut out that overhead and hire that team i love growing businesses and then selling is such a rush because it's like you've won a game so i'm not actually motivated by motivated by money on any of the three they're all like playing a game on a platform and you can hop between the platforms and you can play a big game or a small game and you can get other people on your team to help you it's just like playing and so a sale at a good price is a real win like that's a big goal so it feels really good but there's something much healthier about future income being certain rather than a lump sum today, I reckon. Just psychologically, you don't want to sort of feel like you're falling off a cliff, even if it's a really high, nice high point. So I actually went and got some business coaching when I sold my business. I got this big dollop of cash and I was in Bali and Roger Hamilton was over there and he probably knows lots of people that listen to this as well. He gets all sorts of interesting people in his coaching programs and he sort of helped me stop and think about it, a bit about next steps and that was good. And then I really like being creative. And so I've always made sure I kind of choose the business models that suit my strengths. You know, I'm never going to be crunching ad data ever. And I don't want to do social media and I want to be, you know, live part-time ladies hours, you know, school mum run, you know, I want to be there for kids. So um, much more modest ambition in certain ways, but I want to have clever businesses and quality businesses that I'm really proud of. So what, what do you look for in a quality business then? If you were going to buy a company, is there certain things you, you know, are, must, are a must? Yeah, yeah. So I've got my boring spreadsheet of, you know, if the Google Analytics are this range or, you know, I've got various metrics on the, you know, tech side. You know, I want to buy a WordPress platform type site, but not something built on some weird and wonderful home-built code. You know, I keep the yep. front end of my screening pretty simple, but there's this non-negotiable at the end and I didn't always have it, but I've got to really feel like there's some X factor and I've got personal interest in the subject. So I bought a guitar site, which is a great little business. It earns a really nice income stream from ads and affiliate income, but I'm not really interested in it. So I kind of do the work and I see the money come in. It's all very nice, but I can't get that excited about it. And also when I'm not the target market of the business, it's a little bit harder to think creatively, oh, this affiliate product would be great or this article would be really useful. Or if somebody does the writing for you, you don't know actually how good it really is. You can check it for grammar and if it looks useful, but it doesn't kind of quite hook you in the same way that it needs to hook your customers. So I quite like personal interest of some sort. So I try and um, 
I love a recurring subscription type model. That's a big plus plus on that one and um, put a really high value on that. Sorry to cut across you there, but do, do you see uh, businesses with subscription models, you know, monthly recurrings and all the rest of it, do, do you see them trading at different levels, different kind of multiples to, to other forms of e-com businesses? No. So I've only bought one that's a classic recurring true SaaS sort of monthly subscription job. And that was the same multiple. And I actually got the price down. The asking price was 190 and I got it for 135 So Right. And that would have been a multiple three at the asking price. And I got it down from that. So that was a good, good investment, that one. Real winner. Yeah. That makes 90K. So the, the businesses you're buying, so you've obviously seen a, in a range here where it's – it's obviously manageable. It's something within your sort of realm, I guess. But are you just buying these and bolting them on? Do you buy them with the intent of building it, growing it, and selling it again? Or is it, are they bolting together as a bet? You know, like there's so many questions I have here, but <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, I could go in 10 different directions. So what yeah. I do is I try and stick to a certain, so my limiting factor is my team. It's really hard to find good people, but I find it hard to find good people and who get me and can work in my erratic mode and keep up with the pace and uh, a very loose brief and no micromanagement. So I've got two girls who are awesome. What They're both in New Zealand, actually. So they do all the tech side. They look after sending emails out of active campaign, all these things I don't want to drive all day, every day. So we don't do social media. Uh, we don't buy any businesses that are based on social media. We do a bundle of content sites and they're all on WordPress and they're all monetized the same way. So while one might be on guitars and one might be on dogs, they're both Mediavine or whatever ad platform and then they've both got affiliate links and the reporting and the moving parts look identical. It's just different money on different products and services. So that's yep. easy. They scale quite nicely. And I've bought, of the 20 odd businesses I've bought, at least 10 would be like that, small, medium or large content sites. And then I bought a flurry of things that are a little bit interlinked because they all serve authors because I'm publishing eBooks on Kindle. So I can see, oh, this advertising thing would be useful. This template thing would be useful. This um, newsletter with a bunch of eager readers would be useful when you're launching. So I bought a few publishing related ones. And actually one business I bought was to learn how to do fiction, as I mentioned earlier. So I didn't know how to train. I'm not an author, but I'm publishing books. So pay ghostwriters to write the non-fiction ones, which is easy. They behave just like an Amazon product. It's just a search term needing a solution. Um, but the fiction, they make tons of money, but you couldn't really crack that without becoming an author yourself or a long grind to trial and error building up to that scale. So I bought one and it was a pen name, paranormal fiction, crazy lady <laughs> profile, two writers that came fully trained with a whole bunch of books all stacked up, ordered and organized. But I saw how they promote fiction books, how they work with editors and the, the writing team puts it all together and the marketing of fiction is really different. So I bought so, that. So can I, just, you just, can I pull you up just on a comment? So you said there was a pen name. So for those uninitiated in the group here, explain that to me. What, what What's the difference between like the authors and is there, are they, yeah. Oh. No. So even my non-fiction books, uh, there might be a book about dog training, but it's not by Sophie Howard, it's by Jenny Jones or something, you know, they're all, um, it's totally standard in the industry. So there's people like Lee Child and James Patterson, they have ghostwriters write their books and they may or may not be their real names. So they have this sort yes. of persona as the author. 
And so partly it's to keep your life private, partly you can sell these um, Kindle accounts one day. Yes. Um, so you can sell it as a business if you're not too attached in the middle of it. So for those um, who, who like a bit of sci-fi, I'm a massive fan of the Expanse series. I've read all the books. The t I watched the TV series, even though it was like 100th as good of, as the books, oh. like it was nowhere near as good, and they never are. Um, but that was written by, I think it's James Corey, James S.A. Corey, which is actually, there's actually two authors, completely different names. And so, you know, that, that explains that, right? So they're building that yeah. author as an independent brand that obviously can be then sold. Yeah, it's a product, not a person. And so yeah, um, a team of writers that churn out the words and they need to be given a good brief. And so you've got to do a bit of research on what's selling on Amazon and then which books are popular topics. And then you need to have a little team of writers and you can do it through an agency or individuals. And then a few weeks later, out pops a book ready to sell. So I've really enjoyed that publishing space. It sort of suits me. I read a lot of books myself. It's not very competitive. Um, and um, there's no stock, you know, there's no print run of books. There's no book tours. Um, there's no shipping, warehousing, all that stuff's just all weightless. You know, it's pinged straight to people's phone. It's on your Kindle app. Um, or if it is a paperback that somebody orders, then Amazon just prints it on demand and ships it off. So it's Nice business model, that one. Yeah. Can I, can I circle back now on the business yet? You said you bought, I think you said it was the largest deal you've done is the, the newsletter. Mm -hmm. what, what does that business look like? Oh, well, it was for sale through a private broker, not one of the big networks, but I've got various feeds out scanning the internet, looking for um, businesses for sale that meet my criteria. And it was a bit of a lucky find. I'm quite spooky to have found it. It wasn't on a big, obvious platform. So that was a good start. Nobody else had seen it. <laughs> Worst marketed <Yep>. business ever. <laughs> I don't think anyone had inquired about it. Some small town, you know, Midwest um, vendor. So him and his local broker had got this listing together and it was the asking price was $410,000. It's like, holy moly, that's in the US as well. That was pretty steep. So I had a look at it. I got the IM and I was like, well, I'm not sure this is for me, but, you know, I'll read this information memorandum, have a think through it and maybe if, vendor finance is an option or it's something really valuable and it's the only thing I ever need to do for the rest of my life and I can buy it and I can see how cool it is. Maybe I'd be convinced. So I had a look at it. I was like, oh yeah, convinced. I want this. It was such a neat business model. So basically it's kind of like a daily deal site, but for authors um, or for readers. So the readers get a free book that's just gone live on Amazon. Um, the authors get a flurry of that database of readers downloading their books. So the book shoots to the top of the rankings and hopefully some of those readers leave a review as well. And then the authors find readers for life for the rest of the series, and they can promote a box set or whatever. So we basically sell five spots a day in this newsletter, and um, the authors pay to be there. And then the subscribers, the readers, get it for free, and they don't pay us. They're the lucky benefactors of this service. Um, so it's really a, a commercial service for authors. But the neat thing is we bought it sitting on some weird and wonderful platform, but... My uh, technical girl, technical Tess, put it over onto WordPress. And then instead of the authors emailing and then us negotiating which day and which slot they'd like and what date will the thing be published and you better send us your link and your artwork in advance, um, we just redid it so that in a few days' work, Tess had it so that the authors chose their own date in the calendar, top spot or bottom of the page. Do they want to do a block of 10 books or one a week for 10 weeks? 
and then they add in the link and then they pay us on PayPal and we just literally all I do for that business is once a week I get a thing that comes through on Skype of how much money it's made so the asking price <laughs> has been, and I've got a huge database of readers and a huge database of authors and they're really handy things to have too so cool. the um, asking price had been 410 I got it down to 280 with some good negotiations wow um so it's pretty happy with that so that was quite a low multiple um partly because I don't think it had been that well marketed and you'd really need to be in the industry and have a bit of interest in it to run it. And I could see that upside of turning it around a bit. So I bought it and grew it. But I will not be selling this one. I'm really going to hang on to it. It's really steady. Every day, five people pay me $160. I mean, it makes 90-something K a year profit. Paid 200-something. You know, it's pretty good multiple. Uh, paid low 200s. Um, so it's been great. It's already paid itself off. And I got one so she's part-time she's based in the states she talks author language she is an author herself and she spends a few hours a week just keeping the authors you know aware of our service and checking in with them and she goes to a few book conferences and plugs it and she has a nice time doing that and uh, very easy business it's lovely this is pure cash no drama yeah yeah you, you mentioned the um just going back to how you find, obviously you're in publishing and that's quite a niche. So, you know, perhaps there are specific places to find publishing businesses, but typically speaking, how would you or how would most people go and find online or e-com businesses to buy? Well, there's a few big marketplaces that make life easy. Uh, and one of the best ones is actually in Melbourne with you, Flipper. Um, so yep. flipper.com. FLIPPA.com is great. So they do a bit of validation of the data. So if somebody's loading up a WordPress site, they'll actually go and check the Google Analytics and validate it, which saves a lot of loss going up there. So they do sort of starting right down at the $1 reserved starter sites um, right through to multi-millions. And that's a great platform to find a lot of range of what's available. And then and they make the process pretty easy. You know, there's escrow to protect your payment there isn't a broker making a huge cut in the middle. Sorry, Simon. <laughs> it's uh, pretty low fees and, um, you know, pretty transactional, but there's not yep. a big sales complex sort of IM or any pack to put together for these businesses. I thought Flipper took a fairly decent fee, actually. Don't they take a percentage of the transaction from the seller? They take a percentage, but it's nowhere near as big as some of the other marketplaces and certainly... Really? Because yeah, oh, I heard it was double digits, <laughs> like over 10%. No, I don't think so. But so I could have that wrong. I'm, I'm... Better double check that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I've never sold Yeah, business. no, that's interesting. Bought a few, so that bit's invisible to me, actually. But, yeah. Um, and then Empire Flippers uh, is a really good one as well. I've bought a handful through there that have ended up being really good deals, and they – um, present everything well, having validated it first. You've still got to do your own due diligence, and that's fine. Um, but they start at sort of, there's probably nothing under 50K on there when they go right up. But they have really neat businesses. It seems to attract really good people. And then there's Quiet Light. I'm just looking at a deal with them at the moment, which looks very interesting. The numbers are great, but I'm just trying to figure out if I'm actually interested enough in the subject. I've got to be interested in the subject. So you've got to spend a lot of time working with people who are going to write about that subject. For a content site. <sighs> yeah, then, cool. Um, yeah, the good ones, FE International for e-commerce. So those are probably the big four for online only. Um, okay. 
So you can start nice and small and then get confident with the steps. You know, how do you migrate it? How do you hire the team? How do you come up with a content plan? Which agency do you use for this or that? And what about these plugin things? So there's a little bit of tech and stuff to migrate, but um, those platforms do make the migration pretty easy. They sort of do it for you with Empire Flippers, which is very nice. And you don't have your funds released until it's all up and working on your side. So if you say okay. ad account and you're meant to have 100,000 visits a month, to qualify for this higher tier account with a better service. Um, if you don't hit that and you can't migrate the business onto that ad platform, then the funds aren't released and you renegotiate price. So it protects you both. Okay. That's that's really that's really interesting. Yeah. So uh, it's good to hear that those sort of mechanisms are in place because I think, you know, I think for a lot of people starting out, this is the great unknown, right? They just don't know what they're doing. And it's sort of like I think the risks sometimes probably a bit blown out in their minds anyway because they're just unfamiliar. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean there are risks with any business, but I do think there's lower upside with lots of the other things you could invest in. So it's one thing to sort of be entrepreneurial and grow something from scratch and we love doing that. But for people looking to just park up some money with a great return and they don't have lots of time, the real estate stuff, I don't know we know what date this goes out, but our interest rates are horrid and the yields are awful and yeah. the government is making it less and less attractive to be a property investor. Just brutal. You know, some good things, you know, tenants get warm, dry houses, all for that. But, you know, the commercial side, interest rate, deductibility, all of that stuff is just getting hammered and we don't have capital gains tax at the moment. Agreed. Sort of is a funny thing for a 10-year and less than 10 years you pay a tax. So that's tough. Crypto's tricky won't go there land land tax and everything else and i did have one question i mean you it sounds like you've been able to negotiate some pretty good deals and you know kudos to you you've obviously got some good negotiation skills um in just just broadly speaking though i mean when you see businesses online um being advertised at a certain price I mean, do, do you look at that price and let's say it's 100 grand or 200 grand, do you look at it and go, like automatically assume it's never going to be that amount? It's probably going to be half that or something. Do you know what I mean? Do, is there a rule of thumb that you work off? Yeah, actually, Biz Buy Sell, which is one of the big international platforms that um, does big quarterly reports because they have so much data, um, yep. they just did an asking price versus final sell price, sort of rolling average for the last few years sort of quarter by quarter, and it's sort of pretty much steady and step, you know, it's about 15 or so percent off the asking price. Seems to be pretty steady. Um, yeah, right. But I'd always rather pay full price and grab a brilliant business right there, right then for cash. You know, if I see a real winner, I want it. You know, if it's got that moat around it, it's Warren Buffett said, I'd rather have a great business at a fair, a fair, you know, a great business at a fair price than yep. a fair at a great price so that's always the priority quality and it's shelf life because you don't want to get it wrong you don't want to buy something gets wallet because it's got a load of dodgy links in or you yeah. didn't understand it properly i like businesses i fully understand the business model and nice if you can spot some upside potential not essential if it's well already nice if it comes with a team i don't want to ever be the operator of one i buy so my watch this gets quite long i whittle through the you know the scan and <laughs> quite quickly and then you know when i see what i like i move really fast and so yeah. thanks to selling other businesses and other income streams i was able to pay cash and negotiate pretty hard and pretty quick and get those vendors on the hook straight away for some that i really wanted that, that that's a good 
Good thing you just let me tell. I mean, paying paying cash for businesses obviously helps get deals done faster. And I, and I, I want to touch on timing in a minute, but I just I'm curious when you talk about deal structure, you know, cash upfront is certainly lovely for the seller, but often less appealing for buyers, big, particularly if there's potential risk involved in the deal. So, have you ever done or do you see? Um, things like earnouts or delayed or deferred payments, things like that coming into play with these style of businesses? Yeah. So the tricky thing is to ever get a bank to lend on an online business. So generally, you're not going down traditional finance tracks anyway, so it's not even an option if you wanted it. And I've certainly never wanted to remortgage the house to buy one. So, you know, I've bought a couple with cash, but don't get me wrong, I haven't got millions and millions I'm throwing at these things. You know, I've bought a few really quick, small ones really aggressively. Um, but vendor finance is pretty doable and it doesn't even need to have interest attached. You know, the ones I've negotiated vendor finance on, I've maybe paid a third or quarter or half on the day of signing the deal, another half, six months later, another dollop, 12 months later. One of them, there was a calculation on the number of subscribers who were still, still subscribed and that brought the final... Yes went down because we had to change platforms this guy had built it on Gumroad with his own private paypal we had to try and move everyone across to my paypal and a business uh, change countries email sequences to try and recruit them across and so we lost a few and he accepted that would happen and i said well i don't want to pay for people i don't get so that was all fine um so vendor finance would be the most easy and most typical and if he had a broker sitting in on those calls and he said look i can do this deal but only with three installments over two years, I think most brokers would help pep talk, you know, their vendor into agreeing to that and it not being unreasonable. Yeah, yeah. And, and is two years a fairly common term for these type of payments? Yeah, I think my last one was over 12 months and that was okay. It wasn't a huge deal. So um, I don't think most vendors would expect cash up front for the whole thing. They might like to dream of it, but it depends on how many offers they get. But I do think it's definitely a buyer's market. There's far more businesses for sale and some really, really motivated vendors out there. And sometimes yeah. you don't, as you know, you know, you'll have had these conversations so many times, but the real reason somebody's selling versus the good reason, they're not always quite the same. You know, they might just say, oh, health or want to retire, but actually they're about to crash and burn and they really need to stop right now or there's going to be some you know, full burnout mode kick in or their spouse has given them an ultimatum. You never know quite what's going on emotionally in the real thing that they're dealing with. So um, so most by the time they've gone through all that work to prepare it for sale, all the data and double checking, all the working with the brokers and all that effort to prepare it for sale, they're kind of already mentally checked out. They just want it gone. And a done deal is sometimes just all they want. And to deal with somebody nice. So I always make sure I'm very friendly and warm and professional and build rapport with the vendors and don't I'm never mean to them. I don't poke holes in their business and point out all the stuff they've done wrong. If I want to negotiate on something like subscribers, I'll never inherit. I do it nicely. So I try to be a person they want to do business with. Um try and get really good terms. Um make sure they feel confident I'm going to run their business well. There's often a lot of emotional attachment, even though you never think there will be, there always is. So I just sort of, I've used those softer skills to get good prices and good deals and, you know, good terms, not just the price, but the terms matter as much. It's, it's one thing to get good terms, good price, all those sort of things. But as you said before, I mean, good, good business at a fair price is actually a good deal even. And it's what, what I see sometimes is just that, not that people don't get the good price, they don't even get a deal. 
because yeah. they fail around those soft skills that you've just talked about. And, you know, I literally got off a call this morning and explaining to a business owner that, you know, there's so many variables here. And so, you know, number one, you've got to be really blunt with me about where you see the problems being because we need to, you know, it all comes out in due diligence. We need to be able to discuss it, talk through it, do it in a transparent way, et cetera, et cetera. But I said, fundamentally, you're only going to get a deal when you've got a willing buyer and a willing seller who can form a lot of trust in a short period of time. And that means, you know, don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've got to be respectful and polite. And, you know, it, it might be a short-term relationship, but if you can't build it, you'll never get over the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's um, a lot of ego in what people have built. You know, there's personal pride, but they also don't want to be told they've, you know, you don't want to haggle with someone over something that's a weak, and that's definitely will be a weakness. There'll be loads of weaknesses and flaws, but you can do it in a nice way and keep the relationship and then, you know, you can be yeah. a bit tough than you need to be, but generally um, you want their goodwill when you've got business as well. I mean, you're going to find all sorts of, you know, customers going to them, not you, or some passwords being, you know, gone wonky somewhere. You know, you need their goodwill for a good handover. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's um, it's funny, we were um, in the middle of a transaction just recently and the other side had hired an external advisor to come in and do due diligence. And this guy was just, um, you know, he was an accountant by trade and a bit of a purist, I would have thought, but he just didn't understand the simple concept of, Nothing is ever going to be perfect, but if you sit here just picking holes for the sake of trying to pick holes and just to try to win, it's like he was almost trying to insult the other side. And it's like, what, what, what is your goal here? Is your goal to get the deal done or try to look smart in front of your client? Because all you're doing is degrading the relationship here and you know they've spent how many thousands on you? They're not spending money on you for the fun of it. They want to buy a good company. And so understand what is worth negotiating over and what things you're just better off just to let them go because nothing's ever perfect yeah yeah i accept lots of imperfections and um yeah <laughs> I, I like to move ahead i've moved quite fast through this and you know i haven't had any deals go bad actually every single one is a business i'm really proud and happy to own and will keep i don't think i plan to sell any of them actually uh, they're all just steady little earners and low drama quality products or services so it's been um, a really good feeling acquiring them different sort of energy to the highs and lows of the entrepreneurship side um much more yep. sort of steady investment brain which uh, isn't quite as um, thrilling but it's really dependable and there's something quite nice about dependable income that's online so it's been good indeed so so talk, talk to me a little bit about what, what are you doing today what you know I know you've got your fingers in more pies than I can count at the moment, but uh, <laughs> what's um, how do you help people? What else do you do outside of buying businesses? Uh, well, if anybody else is looking to buy businesses, um, anyone listening who would like any help with that, I have been helping others. So uh, today I've just been doing a deal review for one of my clients. So I do one-on-one -on -one feedback for people um, looking at buying online businesses as part of the program. So uh, the program's called cool. Freedom Navigator. And it's all about learning how to become kind of a sophisticated, confident buyer of online businesses and nothing really nice. tricky. It's not techie. I'm not techie. I have no idea about the tech in most of these complicated um, sites. So I keep them very simple business models, you know, based on email or a WordPress site. Um, I'm not sort of running developer teams for fancy software ideas. So I teach people basically the 
self-awareness stuff around which is going to be the best business model for you and then get them really clear on their goals and their acquisition criteria and the budget that sort of one-on-one personal stuff um and then go through the process of you know finding the deals shortlisting them all those soft skills around negotiations all the strategy stuff around what could you buy and improve and then how will you operate things so a bit of help on building an operating team and then somewhere in there when those clients find their first deals i'll do a one-on-one deal review and give you feedback on does that look like a good one not like your due diligence man that was hired in as the outside accountant sort you know i'm not going to um you know rip the thing to shreds but i'll be pointing out red flag here this looks awesome yeah. you thought about adding that product this would be a great um platform you could try that's not on at the moment or that kind of thing or you'd really want to make sure that operator came with it because that would be a hard person to replace, that kind of thing. So maybe points for negotiation and help them buy some online businesses. And hopefully, you know, after a couple of deals, you've got a handful of nice income streams from online businesses that give you huge return on investment and nice lifestyle too. Nice. Very nice. What, what, what would you say to um, prospective business buyers who are looking at their first transaction and struggling mentally to pull the trigger? Oh, there's so many people in that space. Like I happen to know how many people are on the Empire Flippers email list. You know, those are potential buyers who sign up and look at deals for sale every single day. Their inbox gets hit with businesses for sale, but they never pull the trigger. And it is really difficult. It's quite nervy. Um, I think the thing is to start small and feel familiar with the process, you know, buy a $1,000 site off Flipper that's on WordPress and do it up a bit. You just go through the rope, learn the ropes of this is how you submit an offer. This is how you pay the money through escrow. And this is how it gets released when you've got the website to yourself. And this is how you add the advertising. This is how you add the affiliates. Let's grow it a bit. This is how you hire this agency who can write all the content for you for the year. Just practice thinking like an investor and running an operation that you're not doing all the doing in yourself. And then The next one might be not that much bigger, but after a few of those, then you'll feel more confident with steps and the process and the judgment of criteria. Plus, if you want help assessing those deals or getting really confident with how to go about it and being in a community of other people doing it at the same time, uh, come and join my group and I'll take you through it. But it's um, a really high upside. Those yields, the return on investments, phenomenally high. You don't need to do that many deals to live off those half dozen income streams or three or four. I don't think you'd want just one big one. Better if you had one, say you had a round figure of a million, which is a lot, but, you know, do three deals or five deals, not one big one. Don't um, have all your eggs in one basket. Build a portfolio, but build them so they're a bit overlapping in the skills your team needs or the market they're in or the niche they're in or something. Broadly, not too close, but, you know, a little bit of overlap is helpful. Yeah. It's definitely doable, but I think mentally people have this bigger barrier because it's not like a building you buy and you own the building and you can see the tenant in there. But also you don't get buildings that are mortgage free three years later with six figure income streams of pure profit that can be run from anywhere in the world. Indeed. So while there's a few things to learn to get good at this, uh, the return and the reward for that effort is really high. And I think it's the best asset class out there. It's not speculating. It's not like throwing your money into Bitcoin or um, even stocks and shares, you know, picking Microsoft. I did buy some Microsoft shares. I'm rather smug about that right now. Um, you know, I don't really <laughs> uh, this is not investment advice. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not, can't do everything and I'm not a stock picker. 
Um, and I'm not really a property investor. I've got a few little bits and bobs. But um, if there's one thing to get good at that could really change your financial position and give you a really nice lifestyle and not need as much money up front as you think, if you get vendor finance on a handful of deals, you could certainly have three really healthy income streams. You know, the the next instalments, the payouts are pretty much in through the profits. And then two or three down the track, you've got a very healthy position. And maybe you keep the day job while you do it because they're not fully time consuming. Um, but they're pretty chunky pretty quickly. There's no overheads, there's no costs. Um, and if they're well set up, they should just keep growing. And, you know, got to check that the quality, got all the bits and pieces you need to run it, you know, the right team and uh, set it up securely on the right platforms. And then it should just run run smoothly. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Sophie, i got one last question for you today, um, which I'm always curious, having chatted to a lot of entrepreneurs and, and people from all walks of life and different experiences, but I'm, I'm interested in your definition of success. And before I get you to answer that, um, you know, we're, we're almost at time, so I, I wanted to throw out quickly and give you a moment to think about that perhaps, but um, are, are you happy for listeners to reach out to you? I mean, you've sort of mentioned that already, like, what is the best way for people to reach out and connect with you? Uh, well, my website is Aspiring Entrepreneurs, which is a bit of a mouthful, but we'll maybe drop that in the show notes. And the course where I teach you how to buy an online business is called Freedom Navigator. So Excellent. sort of a small group with some one-on-one and uh, lots of help working out of business buying. Cool. Are you happy for me to re- reach out on LinkedIn as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we yeah. met on a LinkedIn course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, awesome. We'll, we will put those notes, uh, those links in the show notes. Um, so for anybody who has wondered about the e-com world and how it can change your life and how you can sort of start down a different path, it's it really is fascinating. Clearly, you know, we've certainly seen a massive growth in this space over the years and and, and more and more e-com businesses are being valued better and better o- over time. So, you know, it's um, it's certainly something I'm passionate and interested in. So, yeah, if you'd like to learn more, reach out to Sophie and I'm sure she'll be able to help you get started on this new uh, stage of life. So, yeah, and, and with that in mind, Sophie, you know, what does success mean to you? Oh, such a difficult question. So it's not financial for me. That gives me, you know, a nice feeling to check with some zeros in a bank, but uh, at the end of a bank statement, not zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But probably it would be something lifestyle It would be more about that feeling you have, like you've done all the work you need to do, you've done all the other family, all your life admin, and you still have that energy left and time left to, you know, read, learn, have fun, travel. It's sort of some capacity left or, you know, there's what you do to earn your income and what you do to look after yourself, your health, your family and all those obligations, there's still something left. I see so many people who are just either completely burned out or there's nothing in the tanks. And uh, success is having, you know, 10 days work, go for a run, go and do something, yes. you know, meet a friend. Uh, we've just got a new puppy who brings me so much joy. So just, it's not sort of having Lamborghinis and things. It's definitely kind of some modesty in your life but really appreciating the good things and having plenty of energy and time left for the things that matter for you so that's yeah, nice. measure. So I haven't had time to go for a run or I'm snappy at the children because I've got back-to-back calls that's an epic fail for me that's it really makes me cross at myself that I've had a week where that's got out of hand and looked like that and I felt like that I don't want to be that person so that's a, not success for me I've made a ton of money doing it 
Yeah, yeah. I like this. It's, it's you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's it, it sounds to me like it's it's not about a destination. It's about you enjoying the journey the way you want to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're proud of the businesses you own, you feel good, you know, you've got integrity, you're authentic being yourself all day, every day, you know, I'm in my daughter's bedroom and my hair's sort of brushed. But, you know, there's people that are, you know, would do these performances on screen, you know, they'd be in the boardroom in a suit and a Lamborghini out the back and, you know, I'm just oh, at yeah. home with my children being very normal and, um, you know, it's all doable, this online stuff. But the businesses I own make me feel really good about what I'm doing and really good about helping other people do it too. So that's a nice thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Look, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've really uh, enjoyed catching up with you. It was great to check in and hear how things are going in your world. And, um, yeah, look, if we uh, come across people sort of looking for some help in, in the e-com world, we certainly need to uh, send them over your way. Brilliant. Thanks, Simon. And uh, great to see you've got this podcast, you know, really valuable for people listening because there's so many angles on, you know, the stuff you know about selling and seeing so many deals go through. There's just, you know, all these um, softer skills and data and there's a lot to bring together to get these deals right for both sides. So really, really great podcast. Thank you. No, no, thank you very much. It's a, it's a funny one. It's people think selling a business or being in business. It's it's like selling a house or doing something like that. And I keep saying, it couldn't be further from the truth. It's so much more to it. But it's uh, hey, it's an education. It's a process, and we just want business owners out there who are on their journey to hopefully come out of this a little bit better, having heard the stories of other people who've come before them. So, um, so yeah. So look, thanks again for coming on. I'm really appreciative. Um, for those listening, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast, and we look forward to having you again next week. Thanks very much. The ultimate freedom is to own a company that is valuable, scalable, and saleable. Wherever you are on your business journey, it's worth understanding what is driving value into your business and what could be holding you back. For more information, speak to the team at Exit Advisory Group by going to exitadvisory.com.au or send an email to ask at exitadvisory.com.au. Thank you for listening to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast with Simon Bedard. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit buygrowsell.com forward slash episodes. Simon is the founder and CEO of Exit Advisory Group, and you can follow him on LinkedIn.